You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You're back with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. We've got some really exciting stuff to talk about today. But we're going to talk about something now that is just as exciting. And that is that our own Christopher O'Brien was one of the featured speakers at this past week's Paradigm Symposium in Minnesota. Can you tell us about it? Sounds fascinating. Yeah, it was good. Micah Hanks, of course, and Scotty Roberts have both been guests on the show. And this is the second year they put on this particular conference. Uh, It was in a beautiful place in St. Paul. Um, It was the old Union Station Railroad Terminal. And the conference was in the in the big cavernous hall, the main hall of the former, I guess, train station it had these big, tall, you know, 60 foot ceilings. And so it sounded rather boomy in there, but uh, they did have a good sound system. Uh, they did a complete, you know, three camera video shoot. And the speakers were all interesting. I, I actually attended a few of the lectures, unlike I, I do at other conferences. Uh, normally at other conferences, I'm, I'm pretty up to speed on what people are going to be presenting on. So I don't often find myself sitting in those hard chairs, but uh, they had nice, soft, cushy chairs for everybody. And, and the, uh, the speaker lineup was very interesting. I, I have never heard uh, Robert Bavall and Robert Schock speak. Uh, and John Wharton from the uh, show Destination Truth was there. Of course, uh, today's guest, uh, Nick Redfern was there. I really was fascinated by his talk and we'll get into what he uh, presented on, which is uh, material from his new book, uh, For Nobody's Eyes Only, which I, I highly recommend. I've, I've read it since uh, receiving it and uh, had a chance to talk a bit with Nick about it. And we'll, we'll speak with him, obviously, today uh, about that book. There's no truth to the rumor, by the way, that Sheena Easton's going to do a song called For Nobody's Eyes Only. I, I don't believe so. Jim. That's such an in-joke. Of course, she sang the theme for your for your eyes only the james right. bond movie one of the roger moore movies which wasn't very good uh no it wasn't i i, I think i think nick would probably want the ramones to do it <laughs> for nobody's eyes only yeah i one, like two, three, that four. title i really like that title well it, it is a good title and it's a good book and we'll find out more about it later um i also met a number of broadcasters uh fellow broadcasters who who were there, we participated in a special broadcasters panel, which um, I think some people found interesting. You know, basically, these these events are a chance for like-minded investigator researcher types to get together and compare notes and let their hair down a little bit and have some fun. It, it was quite a, uh, I think, a good turnout. And my particular talk was, I, I think, particularly well-received. I, I felt a little bit like a fish out of water. I was, you know, amongst all these guys talking about uh, revisionist archaeology and, you know, the pyramids uh, and, and Luxor and all these cool uh, digs and stuff. And so getting up there and discussing the uh, un- unexplained livestock death phenomenon, I thought would be a little bit a little bit strange for people. But I, I was amazed at... Uh, <laughs> At the at the feedback and gratified too, I might add. Uh, the new uh, book is uh, generating quite a bit of interest, and and if the presentation is any indication of how the book's going to be received, I'm I'm looking forward to it because uh, I had a number of people say that uh, they thought my talk, you know, was my talk was their favorite talk, and it totally changed their their perspective uh, on 
on these unexplained livestock deaths. And, and I felt uh, like I really, I did accomplish something there by going through uh, some of the highlights of my, my research. Uh, you know, it is a huge voluminous book. It's going to be about 300,000 words, Gene. I, I did a word count on the chapters and uh, I don't know, it's getting to the point where I'm not sure, <laughs> sure if the publisher is going to want to ship the thing. Anyway, it was all good. And, uh, you know, we'll hear more about it uh, from Nick. Uh, it was my first opportunity to meet the prolific Nick Redfern. And we actually shared a room uh, during the uh, conference or symposium to help Mike and, and Scotty save some dough. So we uh, we shared a room. And, you know, it's like I've known Nick for years, uh, but I've never actually met him. And so, you know, I felt like I was kind of reuniting with a with a long old, long lost old friend in, in a way. That must have been a lot of fun. You didn't get blasted at night, did you? Um, I, I wouldn't say blasted, no. Um, but I had some fun down in the uh, the Best Western Bar there uh, a few nights, uh, along with everybody else. Uh, quite a number of people uh, would, of course, hang out uh, afterwards. And I met uh, some scientists who were there. I had dinner with a, a guy who claimed he was an arch skeptic and even started a critical thinking uh, group, I think, or a skeptics group and and he's slowly over the years being drawn back towards the middle and so he and his wife took me out to dinner he's a paracast listener that's one of the reasons why he's become much more open-minded about uh, the subjects we cover here you know what we're making an impression on these people a few quick questions before we end this segment did you get a sense to estimate how many people actually showed up um, you know, I'm going to have to talk with Scotty and Micah about that. It, it, it's kind of rough because I'm sure there were uh, a number of people that just attended for the day, let's say locals. Uh, the chairs look three quarters full, possibly a little more. So I'd say at any one given time, there are at least 200, uh, maybe 225 people there. Uh, I'm sure there was, uh, like I said, some people that did revolve through some of the, the lectures that uh, seemed to be better attended than others. So, it, you know, until I, I really get a head count and a number from uh, Scotty and Mike, I really can't answer that accurately. Did you get a chance to talk with them about our tentative plans to put on a conference? You know, I, I, I didn't really bring it up. The, the two of them were extremely busy. They were running around, uh, you know, taking care of things, putting out fires, doing all the things that, uh, you know, goes into organizing a, an event like this. So, I did mention that we were thinking about it and that I'd want to talk to them later about it and get some pointers. Um, I do know last year went uh, uh, kind of rough for, you know, because to start these things out and, and to do your first one, you know, there's all, all, invariably going to be problems. But I think it, I think uh, it it's appeared to run a lot smoother. They had a new venue this year and it did appear to run uh, a bit smoother based on what I heard from last year. So that was all good. But uh, yeah, we'll have to get uh, Micah back on at some point and pick his brain and, and uh, get some ideas, you know, to devote, uh, you know, his experience uh, to making ours less problematic if we uh, do decide to go ahead with the conference, which I'd like, I'd like to do. We're still considering locations, actually considering Phoenix, maybe Las Vegas, maybe Los Angeles. There's a lot more to say. Just wanted to mention something before we hear from Nick Redfern. And that is one of our listeners pointed me to a site where supposedly you can get genuine alien technology that you can buy now. And I'm not sure what this all means. I'm looking at the site. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But it talks about motion virtual space age time machine journey to the year 6000 AD. 
That sounds like fun. I'd like to go to the year 6,000. It's only $18,000, folks. Wow, that's, that's a deal. Well, I think of it this way. If 100 people buy it, that's $1,800,000. Of course, that will pay the legal fees when they arrest me and put me in jail for it. I don't know whether that's what they're trying to do, whether it's meant as a joke, whether it's serious. I don't know. I mean, it's very easy to put up a website unless it's one that is used to go to the healthcare exchanges in the U.S. That's not so difficult. I understand there's a joke that someone tells that they hired a lot of Nigerians for that purpose. Yeah. But I just think that they could have hired web coders from college and done better. But that's another story, and this is the wrong show in which to bring it out. Of course, that's a huge political question, which I'm not going to get into at this particular point in time. Fact is, when they build those government websites, they use this range of contractors who've done it before. Whether or not they did it right or not is another issue entirely, isn't it? The book we're going to talk about is For Nobody's Eyes Only, and I resist trying to sing that to the tune of For Your Eyes Only, subtitled Missing Government Files and Hidden Archives that document the truth behind the most enduring conspiracy theories I can't wait for Nick Redfern to tell us more. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237.
Is there such a thing as gluten-free emergency kits? Yes. And for celiacs, there is no other than glutenfreeemergencykits.com. If you or a loved one has celiac disease, you need a gluten-free emergency kit to survive. Our kits are natural, non-GMO, low-sodium, low-cholesterol, soy-free, contain no artificial colors or MSG, and carry the celiac spruce seal of approval. Now get our March Grab-and-Go Bucket Special for only $29.99 at glutenfreeemergencykits.com. Glutenfreeemergencykits.com. Better foods, better living. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. A healthy digestive system supports a healthy immune system. And a healthy immune system protects you against infections and disease. Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse, available at Terraganics.com, is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic and is gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 contains three groups of beneficial microbes and enzymes to cleanse and remove toxins, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, and aids in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, is non-GMO, has all natural certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is never freeze-dried. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. He's back, our good friend Nick Redfern, recovering from being Chris O'Brien's roommate at the Paradigm Symposium. So who walked out on whom there? <laughs> well, it was one of those situations where I think uh, to keep costs down, it was inevitable that everybody was rooming up and whatever. So uh, we did the best we could under the circumstances, I guess. It was kind of tough, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, at first they gave us a room with just a king-size bed and, and a couch. and uh, Yeah, a couch, a fold-out couch. And that that just wasn't. That wasn't happening, so um, I went down and arranged a, a switch to two queen beds. But Nick had to leave actually early Sunday morning for a uh, a taping with uh, Prometheus Inter- uh, Entertainment, uh, the production company that does Ancient Aliens. Uh, Nick, how'd that go? Oh, it was pretty good. You know, it's one of those things where um, it's like all conferences, I guess. Everybody's running around doing stuff, and before you know it, it's all over. It's all good. You know, it's uh, how it goes. How'd your taping go with uh, with Brian and the Ancient Alien guys? Oh, that's pretty good. You know, we just sort of covered Ancient Alien stuff as per usual. I guess it wouldn't be uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be Ancient Aliens if we did anything uh, other than sort of cover that area. Yeah, I like the show, and um, it's one of these that I think it's in its sixth series now, something like that. And um, yeah, it's the sixth season they're, they're taping yeah, now. They- it's amazing they keep coming up with new scenarios for ancient aliens, but I mean they do. I mean that, that's uh, well, they picked the my brain for three show uh, show ideas this year, so 
I had a uh, tree, tree, right. Called me up early on and said, Hey, you know, we're struggling here for new, new angles. Uh, you got any ideas? And I, I gave her a list of, of <laughs> things, including the un, unexplained livestock death phenomenon and how it ties into, to UFOs. There are a number of UFO reports that are quite compelling. I mean, you could actually tie that in with the ancient stuff about sort of a ancient animal sacrifice, that kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that too. Well, Nick, you have a new book out uh, that you gave a presentation about, fascinating presentation, I might add. And and this book is really interesting. Uh, you just have a way of coming up with cool angles on how to approach uh, the subject matter. This particular well, book kind of explains how the very lack of documents, uh, let, let's say you do an FOIA request and the documents aren't there, you've come up with a, a pretty interesting formula to figure out the meaning of uh, behind some of these uh, apparent disappearances of documents that should be there. Well, actually, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting that that book wasn't actually my idea. And um, what happened was I wrote an article about the missing files on the Roswell case. And um, what happened was that the the publisher of New Page Books, Michael Pye, liked the article and said, you know, hey, is there enough material where you could do sort of a bunch of chapters that would all cover missing files in relation to um, various UFO-related conspiracies and other conspiracies? Thought about it and looked into it and said, well, yeah, there is. And he said, well, you know, do you want to make the, that the next book? So, but actually often, happens quite often with New Page that um, I, I'm not the person who comes up with the idea. I'm simply contracted by the publisher to write a book in that field. For example, although of the 10 books I think I've done with New Page, I think only five have, I've come up with the idea. For example, Keep Out, The World's Weirdest Places, uh, a few others, I forget which ones now, and the new one, they were all ideas that New Page wanted a book published. And the NASA conspiracies, that was the other one. They were all books that New Page wanted books publishing on. And so they said, would you be interested in being the person to write them? So sometimes, you know, it worked that way. Sometimes it's the other way where I'll pitch an idea to them. Well, my impression, I've had a couple of contacts with Michael Pye, is he's a very aggressive, old-fashioned publisher. He's not just a corporate kind of guy. He gets right down and dirty into the process of finding a good book or taking an idea and finding the author for it. Yeah, I mean, Michael, for me, I mean, I love working with New Page because they're very hands-on with the author. They follow the whole process from start to finish. And they don't just, they're not just in the market of putting out this or that. You know, they want to be able to put something that's new and that puts a fresh new angle on something. I mean, you know, for every, say, book I've written for them, I've maybe sent in uh, three or four synopses, which, which don't get picked up. And, you know, and that, that's how it, the publishing world works, that um, sometimes uh, a publisher will like an idea, sometimes they won't, sometimes they will like it, but then they feel that, you know, it's not necessarily something for them. And that, that's all fine. That's how the, the publishing industry works. But I like working with them because you're right. They are sort of a hands-on, enthusiastic company. They're not just putting out every title under the sun for the sake of it. You know, they think about it carefully as to, as to what's going to be a good book versus what isn't. Now, I want to ask you one thing about the title, which maybe is self-contradictory, but maybe you'll explain to this. The subtitle is Missing Government Files and Hidden Archives That Document the Truth Behind the Most Enduring Conspiracy Theories. But if the files are missing, how do you know what they contain? Well, the thing about them documenting the conspiracies is in terms of confirming the conspiracy. That's to say, 
You know, if we look into a particular conspiracy, for me at least, and this is one of the reasons why I agreed to write the book, there are two ways of confirming a conspiracy. A conspiracy. One is by finding information and, and confirming it that way, or witness testimony. And the other way is when you go looking, it's not so much that you don't find anything, it's that you prove that things have been removed, deleted, or shredded. And that, for me, is a way of proving, not proving, but confirming a conspiracy. That's to say, if you don't find anything at all, you could say, well, there's no conspiracy, no cover-up at all. But if you find nothing, but you prove it's been destroyed, that's a very different thing. And that, that's kind of the theme that I took with the book, was to prove a conspiracy by actively demonstrating to the reader that things were done to the, you know, the course of history as it related to that particular project or whatever. What do you think is the most important or significant mystery that we're talking about here? Kennedy assassination, Roswell what? Well, I mean, I guess it really sort of depends on people's own personal perspective on what interests them. But for me, I would say it's Roswell. You know, the Roswell story, beyond any shadow of a doubt, is the one that even outside of sort of our community, everybody knows about. You know, everybody in the general public has heard of Roswell, even if they're not fully sure of the complexities. And what I found significant during the research was this particular story about how all of the outgoing messages from the Roswell Army Air Force Base at the time, as it was, from 45 to 49, are literally just vanished. I mean, when I say gone, I mean, they are gone. They're not acknowledged as being withheld or unreleasable or, or you can't see them. They just cannot be found anywhere. And more importantly, no surrounding documentation has ever been found along the lines of, you know, please transfer these files to this location or please shred these files. Nothing like that at all. There's, just, there's not even a paper trail to say what happened to the entire four years worth of files from 45 to 49, which in theory could offer some deep insight into what happened. I mean, 47, when Roswell occurred, is right in the middle of that period. You know, whatever those messages contained, um, even the Air Force, when it did its study and the General Accounting Office, as it was called at the time, they acknowledged that they went looking uh, for these files and every door they went knocking on, nobody had them. Nobody could find them. And it wasn't a case that people said, go away. Right now, Nick, someone's knocking on our door and we have to answer it. So let's take a break. We got Nick Redfern joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. 
This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hello, I'm Steve Shank. Everybody's heard the statement that what you don't know can't hurt you. But truth is, what you don't know is the only thing that can hurt you. For example, you might not know how our country's wars can hurt you. Japanese radiation and the Gulf oil spill are destroying your seafood. People don't understand how America's 50-year worst drought is hurting them. Our natural disaster experience has proven relief organizations can't take care of the victims. And there's the huge question of how the government will feed all the people that it's promised to feed with no no food. What if we made the whole country into one big neighborhood where we take care of each other by taking care of ourselves? Here's the plan. For every new EPAC 60-day food supply that you order, eFoods Direct will send a 7-day food supply to each of two families in your name, free of charge. Go to eFoodsDirect.com or call 800-876-0871. 800-876-0871. eFoodsDirect.com an e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig a long time ago. LeSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LeSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriate at LeSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Are you someone who forges your own trail? Are you a pioneer with the need to homestead your self-reliant entrepreneur spirit? If so, RF Bunker has a franchise opportunity for you. RF Bunker is the fastest growing emergency and survival retail store in the United States. RF Bunker franchise opportunities are leading the way for business-minded heroes seeking adventure in owning and operating their own emergency supply and survival store. Visit rfbunker.com or call 866-623-2932. This offer is not being directed to any resident of the register-required states. What if you had a witness everywhere you drive? Now you can with VideoDashCam.com. From truckers to motorcyclists, the handy Video Dash Cam can be used for insurance claims, accidents, police encounters, road rage, or natural disasters. Has instant screen playback and optional night vision. Get the best quality, affordable HD Dash cameras available at VideoDashCam.com. That's VideoDashCam.com. Or call 855-855-2022. Always have a witness with Video Dash Cam. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Nick Redfern joining us with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. And this session is mostly, we'll get to other subjects, mostly to talk about his new book for New Page Books called For Nobody's Eyes Only. And right now, you're inferring by all this missing data that there's a lot of stuff there about Roswell, that the government, yeah. at least on the surface, they do not have, but maybe they do have it, but it's, it's funneled off to private industry, maybe, or what? 
Well, yeah, I mean, this is a good point. The problem with Roswell is not so much that we know something happened or that we have a tremendous amount of witness testimony from a lot of the old guys that served at the base in 47 and, and the very few who are still left alive. The problem is we have nothing at all to document what happened. And that's the big issue that I point out in the book, that regardless of what happened on the Foster Ranch in New Mexico in the summer of 47, the fact is from all the testimony, there was a tremendous attempt and, and successful attempt to recover all this sort of weird wreckage that was found on the ranch and even stories about bodies or body parts and wrecked craft, things like that. So, in other words, there should somewhere be a tremendous paper trail, regardless of what happened. The problem is, all we have is like one or two pages of uh, FBI documents that talk about the press release and what the military is supposed to be going to be doing, but that was it. There's nothing else at all. Now, in 1993, we know this because in 1993, um, the New Mexico congressman, Stephen Schiff at the time, got interested in the story and went knocking on the door of the Air Force to ask what happened and, you know, were correct procedures followed regardless of what actually happened at Roswell. And the Air Force basically referred him to the National Archives and where the Air Force's UFO files are held. Um, Schiff wasn't pleased with that and went knocking on the door of the Pentagon and who again referred him to the National Archives. And Schiff actually himself said he felt he was being given a runaround. So he then approached what's today called the Government Accountability Office, but back then was called the General Accounting Office, and asked them to investigate the, the case and determine if proper procedures were followed and what paperwork might be available. The GAO never really done anything like this before with like a UFO case, but they were up for the task and investigated it. They went knocking on everybody's door, other than a couple of documents, one-page documents that have been in the public domain for years through the Freedom of Information Act, nothing at all surfaced. And it was during this process with the GAO that this intriguing revelation was, was made that all of the outgoing files, uh, records from Roswell from 45 to 49 were gone. And more importantly, the GAO informed Schiff that despite all their power and investigative abilities, even they couldn't figure out who had given the order to remove the files or destroy them because there was no surrounding paperwork. So that in itself, for me at least, is a suggestion that at some point, when we don't know, but at some point somebody clearly removed, almost like vacuumed all the material. And my guess is that it probably all remains in one just consolidated location, you know, far away from pretty much any priorities, including the GAO. Now, I mentioned this earlier, and I just said it as an offhand comment, but it's not something that I guess we could ignore, and that is one way to get rid of these documents is to give them to someone in private industry. So, therefore, there's no paper trail as to where it might have gone. It could be handled verbally. There's plausible deniability here. What do you think? could be because obviously, you know, military agencies do work closely with private industries in weapons development, things like that. And the important thing is the Freedom of Information Act doesn't cover private industry. Um, you can only use that, um, you know, to secure government documents. Um, you cannot use it to secure documents from private corporations. You know, you have to go through sort of legal channels to do that. My personal opinion is that the Roswell case is probably 
it probably falls under the auspices of what are known as SAPs or special access programs. That's the official terminology for them, where, you know, person A and person B can both have a top secret clearance, but only person B has access to that specific special access program because he or she is working on it. And despite the fact that other people have the same secrecy level, they don't know anything about it. And, um, the reason why I think Roswell is probably contained within one of these SAPs is because if everybody and his brother in the Pentagon or the military or the intelligence community knew about it, we would be getting far more leaks about Roswell. But if you think about it, most of the testimony we have from people who've spoken out about Roswell are the old guys from 47. If you actually think about it and look at the, number, the amount of testimony on Roswell from, say, the 60s or the 70s, in other words, the people who had knowledge of it then, or the 80s, it's actually very small, almost minute. Um, all the testimony comes from the 40s. So in other words, this leads me to believe that way back when, all of this material and the evidence and the documents was probably consolidated into one location. And I actually think the reason why we don't know the truth and we don't have the files is because the project itself may actually be very small. You know, we hear all these stories about Area 51 and back engineering and whatever. But what if that's actually a ruse? What if all they've really got is a few bodies, you know, a pile of wreckage, and they haven't really made much headway with it, and it's just stored away? That would actually be a reasonable explanation, in my opinion, as to why we don't have the truth, we don't have the documents, because there's actually not that much being hidden. I'm not convinced that all these stories about back engineering and super secret gigantic projects are true. I think it could be the exact opposite, that they're scratching their heads and they've just stored it away, kind of like the final scenes in Raiders of the Lost Ark, almost, and maybe they pull it out every few years for the next group of scientists to take a look at, but, you know, that, perhaps that might explain why it's so successfully hidden. So it comes down to this here, and that is that there could be, number one, in a Warehouse 13 or a place where they just stuff things yeah. they can't explain. This way it's plausible deniability, out of sight, out of mind. We know nothing about it. We have no secret evidence. So all these stories where people might have allegedly reverse-engineered Roswell records, and we think about the notorious Philip Corso episode, you think they have no validity, whatever. Well, the problem I have with the Corso story is that you know, Roswell happened in 47, and we're led to believe that all these fantastic developments immediately in, in the sort of post-war period, 40s and 50s, happened so quickly. You know, the idea that we could get our hands on a, a craft constructed on another world involving technology that allowed it to travel from there to here, which would be massively in advance of us, and somehow we cracked the code within months or years, and suddenly, you know, we're using all this technology. To me, that's just not plausible. You know, it just comes across as as just over the top, you know, I, I would think we'd be looking at 30, 40, 50 years and possibly even looking at it now to try and understand technology developed on another world, not sort of, you know, developing it within months or, you know, a few years of getting hold of the wreckage half a century ago. That's the big problem I have. You know, it's almost like you take the proverbial iPhone 5S, the new one with the 64-bit processing and the fingerprint sensor and all this stuff. You send it back through time, say, 100 years, and you say to the people, figure it out. What is it? Well, yeah, I mean, I would argue even if you sent it back to 1947, the very year the Roswell crash, and gave it to the world's leading scientists, I do not believe they would replicate 
an iPhone or an iPad within two or three years. And by the same token, if they couldn't replicate an iPad or, in, or an iPhone in two or three years, how the hell are they going to replicate something developed on another planet? Never mind on this one. <laughs> That's the problem I have. Not the idea that we might not try and back engineer alien technology. The problem I have is the time frame that Corso claims all of this was successfully achieved. Plus, a lot of the inventions that he claims uh, were assaulted into the private industry or all these uh, developments. Uh, there's a definite uh, paper trail and and uh, and a research trail and and chain of 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 experiments and stuff for a lot of these things. It's not like they just appeared in a vacuum. I could say just to be contrary, which I always am. I could say that the paper trail is not relevant, and the reason it's not relevant is because that could have been faked later. It makes perfect sense that there wouldn't be a paper trail of alleged alien technology. You know, just saying that. We have Nick Redfern joining Gene and Chris. You're in... The Paracast! The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free sent right to your mailbox, plus a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these specials. A 14 by 21 foot shop for under 6000 or a 50 by 100 for under 30000 You heard right. That's 5000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Is there such a thing as gluten-free emergency kits? Yes. And for celiacs, there is no other than glutenfreeemergencykits.com. If you or a loved one has celiac disease, you need a gluten-free emergency kit to survive. Our kits are natural, non-GMO, low-sodium, low-cholesterol, soy-free, contain no artificial colors or MSG, and carry the celiac spruce seal of approval. Now get our March Grab-and-Go Bucket Special for only $29.99 at glutenfreeemergencykits.com. Glutenfreeemergencykits.com. Better foods, better living. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. There's no truth to the rumor that we have Nick Redfern come on here just to do our little bumper thingies, the PowerCast. The fact of the matter is, I happen to like Nick. The fact of the matter is, he writes great books, he has great ideas. And just as we were talking here about the fact that even if we had gotten the wreckage of a Roswell spaceship, we wouldn't even be able to get around the edges in learning about the technology. Now, what I was also thinking here, and this is another thing, what about the bodies? Okay, so we can't figure out anything about the technology. That's understandable. We're dealing with technology hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us. But what about the alien bodies? Where would they be? What would we know about alien physiology? Or maybe they're so close to being human that... You know, it's something that isn't terribly unique or unusual. Well, you know, I mean, again, the the big question is, how could the bodies be hidden? And my answer would be very successfully, because it may not involve a gigantic project to study them or, and, and you know, a great number of people. And by that, I mean that, let's say hypothetically, they found three or four bodies at Roswell or body parts and some decomposed and some not, scooped it all up and tried to preserve it as best they could. Well, and took it somewhere, you know, that was secure and safe, probably somewhere where, you know, there may have been concerns even about alien contamination, biological contamination. So the likely places would be somewhere like Fort Detrick in Maryland or the Dugway Proving Ground where, a lot of research is undertaken into exotic viruses and things like that. You would want a sterile environment. But the fact of the matter is, when you confirm, yeah, it's a body, it used to be alive, 
and it's not human and it's clearly not from here, if you actually have no contact with the phenomenon itself or the entities behind the phenomenon and all you've got is a bunch of corpses, there's really not much you can do beyond autopsying them and saying, well, yeah, they're not from anywhere around here. You know, it's like, what else can you do with them <laughs> other than autopsy them, prepare reports, take pictures and preserve it for posterity? Um, and it doesn't take you, very many people to do that. No, and, and the, the important thing is when you've done all that, how much further can you take it? That's the problem. Um, and, I, and I think, again, that's why the issue of the bodies is so incredibly well hidden, but easily hidden, because it doesn't take much to just hide, you know, four or five bodies in cryogenic containers, say 50 feet underground, and have a couple of guards on the door. I mean, you know, it's not rocket science. It's easy to do. And if you keep it limited to a small number of people, maybe, just maybe, you could keep the secret, or is that still almost impossible? Well, we, the secret hasn't actually been kept because we're talking about it. The big thing is that the secret, as far as like the mainstream media is concerned, is that it hasn't been believed. That, that's the issue. You know, we, we're talking about dead bodies, alien bodies and craft, etc., and wreckage, because the story has been talked about, it's leaked out. But the problem is nobody has the proof to confirm it. And I think, again, this comes down to the fact that it's so deeply hidden by one of these special access programs because there's really not that much to hide. You know, there's a bunch of wreckage and several bodies, and, and that's it. Um, and I think, you know, when you look back at the GAO report, and I mentioned this in the book, I, I mean, I'm actually probably one of the few Roswell researchers who thinks there was a conspiracy, who doesn't believe that the Air Force was lying when it put out its mogul and crash test dummy reports. I, I truly don't believe the Air Force were the bad guys in this. I think the Air Force, when the GAO instructed them to look for files, I think the Air Force went looking and actually came up blank, but they felt the responsibility was on them to try and at least come up with some explanation. And I think the explanations they came up with were flawed. That's to say that the Mogul Balloon One and the crash test dummies, but I don't think it was a case at all of the Air Force sort of being the bad guys and rubbing their hands together saying, yeah, we pulled the wool over everybody's eyes and they were sitting on all the wreckage. I think today's Air Force probably knows no more about Roswell than we do. So that goes the same for everybody saying the CIA. You know, you don't join these organizations and they suddenly tell you what happened at Roswell 60-something years ago. That would be ridiculous. So again, I think, you know, there's this misconception that if an agency comes out with an explanation, it's got to be a cover story. It may just be, as I think, their best guess or their, their best estimate based on the fact that they couldn't find anything. I mean, a lot of people forget this. In the official Air Force report on Roswell, when they come up with the Mogul explanation, they actually admit that they didn't find any records to confirm the Mogul theory. It was just their best estimation of the facts. Almost shows them being stupid, doesn't it? Well, no, not really, because <clears throat> what yeah. it demonstrates is... Well, that you know, I don't know. We... We're the government. We're supposed to know everything, but we don't have any information. Yeah, but if they've destroyed well, all the records make, and then years well, later they go back... Stupid. No, it doesn't make them stupid. To me, what it means is that the, the, informa the truth, the real secret about Roswell is so incredibly well hidden that not even the Air Force of today can penetrate that secret. So it doesn't make them stupid. It means they're out of the loop. That's what it basically means. I'm kind of just being sarcastic about that, but let's look at who does know the secret. Does the president know that we have this information lurking somewhere? 
Who knows? Well, I mean, well, but that's the problem. We don't know who's got it, who's accessing it. So the thing is, it might well be that the reason why the secret is so well kept, and this pro- would probably appall and disappoint people in the UFO field because it prevents possibly it ever coming out. It may be nothing's being done with it all, but it really is just stored away because, you know, if you think about it logically, let's say there's never actually been any face-to-face contact between the intelligences behind the UFOs and the government or the military. You know, they've got a lot of reports, a lot of cases, but no actual proof of who these things are or where they're from, whatever. If all they've got is a bunch of wreckage and bodies stored away, there's really only so much research you can do on both before you just say, well, what else can we do beyond just preserve it? And that might be why the secret hasn't come out, because there's not a great deal of work being done on it. It's just stored away, you know, kind of like in the equivalent of somebody's attic or whatever. Um, And people might say, well, that's impossible. Of course, they'd be researching it. Well, they would to a point, but you're going to reach a point where what else can you do? other than preserve it. And maybe that maybe that's where Roswell is at now. That the keepers of the secret feel they've done all they can. They don't want to obviously destroy unique materials, but it's just, you know, there's a guard on the door twenty four seven. But nobody ever does anything with it, you know. So is there any hope that we'll ever get answers to any of these things related to Roswell or will we uh, just be having turf wars for the next fifty years? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm not a pessimistic person. I'm a, an optimistic person. But if I look at it realistically, I don't think we have a chance in hell of proving what happened at Roswell unless this special access program or the keepers of the secret, however you want to term them, until they decide we're going to get to see it. Um, and, of course, if, it, if there isn't that much, you know, if you've just got like a 100-foot by 100-foot underground room where it's all preserved, Unless they want to release it, you know, nobody has a chance of getting into there or accessing it or whatever. So my view is that um, unless circumstances change, we won't get the truth. And, of course, the big question is, well, why would the people hiding the secret reveal it anyway? You know, there would be real no, no real motivation from their perspective to do so. Um, so I, I just don't see how we can take Roswell any further. Then that's not to say we don't have a lot of credible testimony. We do. But we don't have the hard evidence. And I just don't see, you know, if I'm honest, which I want to be, you know, I have no way of understanding how we can ever access the hard proof of Roswell. What about the stream team and the story about slides showing a body? Well, yeah, I mean, this is interesting because it's another development. But at the end of the day, I think the only thing that will ever really satisfy anybody, you know, in terms of actually having proof, whether it's the media, the UFO community or the public, is hard physical evidence. You know, photographs, imagery, film footage um, can be intriguing and interesting. You know, there there are still people today who believe the alien autopsy film isn't a fake. Um, So in that sense, anything else that surfaces that isn't a body or a piece of undeniable wreckage or a body part is always going to be open to question. It's never going to resolve it. You know, the only thing that will resolve Roswell is the hard physical evidence that came down on the Foster Ranch. Nothing else will ever, you know, fully work. Well, some of that memory metal. We'll go into that in a moment. We could use some memory metal. 
or just some memories. Nick Redfern joins Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp USA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we've got Nick Redfern. He's author of many books, the most recent one of which is For Nobody's Eyes Only. And we're looking into some of that supposedly hidden evidence that might spill the beans about Roswell that we can't recover. Chris mentioned just in passing, memory metal. Is that proof of anything? You know, we have these stories about at the Foster Ranch, the troops, you know, where they were doing the, the cleanup, coming across all this wreckage that the rancher Matt Brazel had originally found, and, you know, the order was to scoop it all up and collect it. Well, you know, over the years, there have been a few stories about old times who supposedly kept pieces of it, but nothing 100% definitive has ever really surfaced on that matter. We do know from the military people have talked about how they were ordered to literally go down on their hands and knees at the crash site and just sort of all crawl along in a big line, picking up just any anything that looked out of the ordinary or that wasn't just, you know, regular desert material. So clearly that must have been taken somewhere for study. But again, the big question is, even if you understand the basics of this technology, that it's some sort of memory metal, 
what are you going to do with it beyond storage if you haven't fully understood the technology? It's kind of like we hear all these stories again about back engineering, but if you study the memory metal and you have some idea of the concept of it, but you're not able to fully duplicate it, replicate it, or even use it, you may just end up scratching your heads and file it away until the next generation of specialists come round and they have another look at it and then in the 70s somebody else looks at it in the 80s somebody else looks at it but again stuff like that would be very easy to hide if you've just got a relatively small project i think there's often a tendency within the ufo field for people to conclude researchers to conclude that if there's a secret ufo program it must be gigantic but the big irony is it could be quite small. It could be one building filled with a multitude of filing cabinets filled with documents and photographs and maybe the wreckage of three or four vehicles and, say, 15 or 20 bodies. Collectively, that wouldn't be hard to hide. And so I think that's why the secret has been kept so well. Roswell, I don't believe, is something that's spread far and wide throughout the intelligence community or the military or the government. I think it's buried very deeply by a small group. So what about the Dream Team? And all the discussions well, about that. Is there any hope that they're going to come up with an answer? Again, I think what will likely happen is that they'll come up with information, data, testimony, and more insight, because that's what's always happened. Whether it's the Dream Team, whether it was Bill Moore, Stan Friedman, Robert and Ryan Wood, all these people have dug into Roswell, and all of them have found new material, which massively contradicts the official story of a weather balloon. And I, I have no doubt that Dream Team will probably do the same thing. No disrespect to any of these people, but the problem is... We need to find a way to get past just old-timer testimony and suggestive imagery or whatever. What we need is to access the hard evidence. That would be the final point. But again, I just don't see any way that can be done. And that's not being pessimistic. That's just being realistic, noticing that how would you literally access this material? You just can't. The only person who would have an ability to do that would be kind of like an Edward Snowden, but nobody's going to do that probably in this day and age because look at the ramifications. <laughs> you know, that would be idiotic to do that. Do we just give up on Roswell for now because we will never have the answer unless somebody in the know tells a secret on their deathbed? Well, I mean, people have done that on the deathbed. You know, again, the problem is it hasn't been believed outside of the UFO community. That's how well the secret, quote unquote, is being kept, that somebody could tell you the truth. They could hide there in plain sight. Here's the truth. But nobody believes well, it, yeah. so it doesn't matter. To get to your point, I don't think we should give up because, you know, that would just take in the defeatist approach. I think we should always look into it because we can never rule out the possibility of human error. That's to say, maybe 50 years ago, a document got shelved in the wrong place and it maybe would one day turn up. So we should never be defeatist about it, but we should be aware of the fact that getting the answers might be problematic to the point of almost impossible but no we should never give up in you know that and walk away just because it's a tough battle no that should spur us on more but i just don't how we get past that the point where we are now well it's not as much we're banging on a door because we don't even know where, where the door is you know well when it comes to roswell nick your presentation i, I was not aware that four years worth of of documentation and cables and and whatnot were expunged from the official files. Uh, you mentioned during the talk that you went around to other Air Force facilities during the same time frame and all their files were intact. That's pretty compelling. Yeah, that's an important factor, you know, that the, the files from 45, all the outgoing messages from the Roswell base, and actually a lot of other messages as well, from 45 to 49, and actually a few into 50, are all gone. 
if that was something where, you know, let's say in 48 or 50, the Air Force then had a memo saying, you know, we're getting overwhelmed with paper, go through all your records from the immediate post-war era and whatever you don't need, just destroy them. Then we could say, well, it's just coincidence, which it probably would be. But I checked it, for example, the National Archives for uh, just what Kirtland Air Force Base, which is also in New Mexico. Their records, you know, the, the identical kind of records, the, the specific batch of records, uh, all the outgoing ones, they're still preserved at the National Archives and, and you can see them. That, for me, is an insight, if you like, that the Roswell files were taken for some other reason. Now, of course, the big question is, if Roswell happened in 47, why would files from 45 and 46 be removed? The best I could sort of come up with, and granted it is kind of like a, a guess, if you like, or speculation, is that when some project, an official project was set up and consolidated in one area, then a decision might have been taken, look, look in case something's been filed in the wrong place or a bit of paperwork got misplaced, whatever, Let's just get everything, and then we can figure it out when it's all in a safe and secure location. And I think that's probably what happened, that a decision was taken to remove everything from a year or two either side of the event, in the case in the event of something being misplaced, and then when they go through it all, well, if something was misplaced, they were fortunate and they caught it. If it wasn't, well, they just played safe in grabbing everything to start with. So I guess we should move beyond Roswell because we'll never get to the bottom of it. Okay, if the Roswell is one of the biggest mysteries for which documentation is missing, what would be number two with a bullet? Well, for me at least, I would say it would be the what is arguably the British Roswell, which is the Rendlesham affair of December 1980, where again we have clear evidence of data and documentation having gone missing. It's like with Roswell, every so often new information surfaces on the Rendlesham case. This, for people who aren't aware of it, which I'm sure isn't many of your listeners, um, it basically revolves around this incident in December 1980, when over the course of three or four nights, multiple UFOs and strange lights and even reports of weird creatures were made in the vicinity of Rendlesham Forest, which is adjacent to the old military bases of Bentwaters and Woodbridge. One of the stories that surfaced in relation to Rendlesham came in 1988 from a former British prison officer named George Wilde. George Wilde was a friend of the late Graham Birdsell. He used to edit the British UFO magazine. Well, Wilde, George Wilde, confided in Graham back in 1988 that when he was a prison officer at one of Britain's leading prisons, he learned that the British government's home office, which is responsible for sort of law and order and you know prisons, etc., had issued like an emergency memo during the course of the Rendlesham events informing staff at a nearby prison called High Point Prison that the prisoners might have to be evacuated on one of the nights. The High Point Prison is actually very close to Rendlesham Forest. And another researcher, Georgina Bruni, she found evidence and testimony that two other prisons right around the vicinity of Rendlesham Forest were all also primed for evacuation some point between the 26th and the 28th of December 1980 when all this stuff was going down in the forest. Lord Hill Norton, who was a former chief of the British Defence Staff and who had a personal interest in the Rendlesham case, actually lobbied the British government to access the official governor's logbook from High Point Prison. Grudgingly, the government said, OK, well, you know, let's go and have a look at it. The response was not so much that Lord Norton couldn't see the logbook or that it was classified in the interest of national security, but it had vanished. The December 1980 logbook for that prison is just gone. It's like the Roswell files. And again, it's not like all the other logs are missing. So clearly, for me at least, 
that is beyond coincidence. You know, I have to believe that something was con contained in that logbook that explained why three prisons all in the vicinity of Rendlesham Forest in December 1980 were primed for evacuation. The fact that they probably were suggests something really significant and weird must have gone on in the woods, parts, parts of which we don't even know about today. Okay, with Gene and Chris and Nick Redfern, you're in. The Paracast. <laughs> So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources, Gold and Silver. Government shutdown, inept politicians, entitlements, looming Obamacare. The death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency is what nobody wants to acknowledge. We have a debt bubble that cannot be paid and will eventually crash the dollar. If you're concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130, and we'll discuss your options of buying precious metals. Also, I can send you information on how you can roll over your IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the dollar crashes. Call me, Gary Cooper, at one 800 686 2237 Three seven extension one thirty. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds. Just pay shipping right now at one two three freeseeds dot com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non genetically modified super seeds that are open pollinated and can be grown harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. 
There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, Chris had a follow-up comment to make about what Nick had said. And we're focusing now on Rendlesham as one of the top cases for which documents are missing. Chris? Yeah. The one thing uh, that really puzzles me is what possible rationale they would have or what reason they would have to prepare a number of nearby prison facilities for evacuation. I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to figure out why they would even consider doing that. Uh, well, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, there actually is one intriguing uh, possibility. It's quite a disturbing possibility as well. In 1994, the deputy base commander at the time was Colonel Charles Holt. In 1994, at a lecture in England, Holt talked about how in the immediate aftermath of the events, a large aircraft landed at the base and a team of personnel went out into the woods. As to what they were doing there, we don't necessarily fully know. But Georgina Bruni, who wrote the book, You Can't Tell the People, all about the Rendlesham Forest case, she uncovered a story suggesting that this particular team of personnel had come up to the base from a place in South England, in the southwest, called Porton Down. Now, Porton Down is like the British equivalent of Fort Dietrich. It's where the British government undertakes its research into things like exotic viruses, biological warfare, bacteriological warfare, all that kind of thing. And if ever there's going to be a real zombie virus in the UK, it'll probably break out of Port and Down. But in other words, the people at Port and Down, their job is focusing on viral outbreaks and things like this. The story that Georgina Bruni uncovered from a person who had a background in the field of biological warfare was that the, the particular team that came out to Rendlesham Forest were from Port and Down and they supposedly had it headed out into the woods in hazmat suits and and brought something back in a sealed metallic container, which was reportedly taken to Porton Down. So my view is that the very fact that it wasn't just like a military unit that went in there, but it was like a complete hazmat team from a place, a super secret installation involved in viruses and biological warfare. This leads me to believe that maybe that was the prime hazard that the military or the government was worried about. And that may well have warranted, you know, the evacuation of not just the prisons, but the people in all the local villages in the area. You know, if there was a, a fear of something breaking out in the area, you know, a disease, a rampant virus or whatever. That to me, when you put the 
Porton Down story together with the prison evacuation stories, that to me then starts to make a bit of sense. Maybe that would uh, indicate some sort of pathogen or something and, and possibly might tie into Penniston and Burroughs' claims of health problems. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's one thing for us to have to deal with terrestrial pathogens or pandemics. You know, if you start bringing extraterrestrial ones into the mix and involving viruses that we don't even understand, even if it was just like a theoretical fear, well, you could understand why they may have sort of jumped to the idea that this has got to be contained and just prepare for evacuation. Now, of course, that didn't actually happen. So maybe somebody was just sort of overcompensating for what they thought could happen. But, you know, it's kind of intriguing why they thought that they should even need to evacuate in the first place, as if maybe they had prior experience of possibly dealing with something like an alien virus, maybe. Well, one thing that makes the Rendlesham case so interesting is the coming forward of of the deputy base commander, Charles Holt, who we've had on the show some months back with Leslie Keene. And we do have a certain amount of uh, documentation that suggests that something indeed did go on there. How does this tie into the missing document scenario? Uh, what documents are missing and the fact that they're not there, what, what, what does that tell us? Very, very similar to the Roswell story. For example, in May 2011, Somebody filed a Freedom of Information request, but basically, you know, where it would reveal all the files, or hopefully would reveal all the files on the Rendlesham case. It actually didn't. Uh, a number of documents surfaced, but one of those documents was a defense intelligence document that actually noted that there seemed to be a huge gap in the defense intelligence files from the period in which the Rendlesham case occurred. I'll just actually read to you, this is a direct quote from the British Defence Intelligence Files that talk about the Rendlesham case, and it refers to, quote, a deliberate attempt had been made to er eradicate the records covering this incident. And that, that was actually a quote from an official document where, within the defence intelligence world, people were saying, you know, why is there... Why is there such a massive amount of documentation missing? Why is there this huge gaping hole? And this statement was made in response. Well, you know, maybe somebody here in the MOD is trying to eradicate the story. This wasn't speculation on the part of UFO researchers. This was kind of like, you know, imagine if we're sitting in, in the defense intelligence community talking about these files and thinking, well, hang on, where have they gone? That's what this, these documents were. So in other words, even on the inside, you had people saying, where the hell are these documents that people are asking about and why can't we find them? And one of the guys said, well, you know, maybe somebody's trying to eradicate history regarding what happened. And those files have surfaced concerning that conversation, which again demonstrates the apparent ease with which somehow somebody or some powerful agency can just swiftly move in with these UFO incidents and just take whatever they want from under the noses of presumably, you know, the senior defense staff, etc. And it's kind of sort of eerily parallels the stuff with what we know about Roswell in 47. This brings me to a question by one of our listeners, uh, Wade Ridsdale, who just passed the 2000 post mark and is one of our 2000 poster club members. He asks, on your past appearances on the Paracast and elsewhere, you have talked about the trove of information you have gotten a hold of via Freedom of Information Act requests. It seems to me in order to have any success in getting info on a particular case, one must have so much information about that case that the request is almost superfluous, I think is the word. At any rate, would, could you list a number of essential items one would need to include to come up with a, 
as he puts it, bitchin' FOIA request. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, you, you actually do need to do that because, I mean, for example, you wanted to get hold of the, the FBI's files on Marilyn Monroe. Well, everybody knows who Marilyn Monroe is. She's dead. Everybody knows the government watched her. So the FBI has released its files on her. You know, you can actually download them from the FBI's website, but if you still wanted to waste time and a letter and a stamp, you can send a letter into the FBI and say, please send me your Marilyn Monroe FBI files, which have been declassified. Because everybody knows she's dead and who she is, and she's a historical figure, it doesn't take any time to search for the records, and, and it doesn't uh, require the requester to provide any background information. You know, it's like asking for files on Elvis Presley. Everybody knows who he is. But if you're looking into something like a relatively unknown UFO event, somebody's told you about it, and you want to see if one particular military agency has anything on it, you have to be pretty specific in terms of providing the date, the specific base, the location, the time, the background data, which particular agency or arm of that base or wherever it was in question that was involved and the time period. You also have to confirm that you're willing to pay search and reproduction fees if applicable, providing you know they give you advance warning of what the relevant figure might actually turn out to be. So you can have the choice of going ahead or not. And it's kind of like if you're filing a freedom of information request on a person, mentioned like Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley. Well, if, say, for example, your next door neighbor told you that her great-grandfather, Lieutenant Colonel John Smith, was involved in a significant UFO crash and recovery, and he was the autopsy guy. After a few minutes, we'll be back with more with Nick Redfern and Gene and Chris. You're in... Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hello, I'm Steve Shank. Everybody's heard the statement that what you don't know can't hurt you. But truth is, what you don't know is the only thing that can hurt you. For example, you might not know how our country's wars can hurt you. Japanese radiation and the Gulf oil spill are destroying your seafood. People don't understand how America's 50-year worst drought is hurting them. Our natural disaster experience has proven relief organizations can't take care of the victims. And there's the huge question of how the government will feed all the people that it's promised to feed with no 
no food? What if we made the whole country into one big neighborhood where we take care of each other by taking care of ourselves? Here's the plan. For every new EPAC 60-day food supply that you order, eFoods Direct will send a 7-day food supply to each of two families in your name, free of charge. Go to eFoodsDirect.com or call 800-876-0871. 800-876-0871. e And now, an important sponsored message for men only from GetEDSolutions.com. Men who were formerly taking ED medication are now reporting that a secret underground video has restored their male performance better than pills. These men say this secret underground video is bringing back the male performance and sensation they've been missing for years, and it's working better than pills. Things are so much better now. Everything kind of came back overnight. My girlfriend is very happy. I purchased your product yesterday, and it was fantastic. I have used your system for about three weeks, and I'm already seeing great results. The owner of this video has reported the overwhelming bandwidth costs may necessitate his taking this video down. Don't miss watching this urgent video on fixing male performance while it's still up at GetEDSolutions.com. There may only be hours left, so watch now at GetEDSolutions.com. 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 My name is Josh. One World Way is the best in the market, hands down. I'm in the U.S. Navy, and I live a very active lifestyle. Being a vegetarian, it's hard getting all the protein I need. I tried the vegan protein powders, and I just wasn't feeling any change. The Meathead Supplement Store whey protein kind of worked for a bit, but it left me feeling bloated, and my digestion seemed to slow down. By some divine stroke of luck, I heard a commercial of One World Way on the radio, and it struck my interest. I have to tell you, I am so glad I got it. I have been taking it for a week, and the results are amazing. I don't feel tired when I have to get up at 4.30 a.m. I look and feel better. I recover faster from my two workouts a day. When I don't have time to eat good food, I take it, and I don't feel the urge to stuff my face for hours. I got up this morning, and I looked the leanest I've looked since high school. I can go on and on. The best I can do to repay you is buy more and tell my friends. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldwhey.com. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. I think we've been invaded by the Daleks. I thought for a second he would say exterminate. No, Nick, that'd be going too far. Nick, are you a Doctor Who fan? No, I'm not. I don't really like sci-fi. I like horror, but I've never watched Doctor Who at all since I was like, <laughs> I, I don't like stuff like Star Trek and Star Wars. It just kind of bores me. But I like horror. The more graphic, the better, but not sci-fi. It seems, though, that so many of the things you write about could have a sci-fi aspect to them. Well, that's kind of weird that people often say that, because I write about UFOs, aliens, outer space stuff, I guess. But, you know, the, the whole thing of stuff like Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars and people running around in silver suits and firing laser guns, it just... It bores me, it just don't interest me. <laughs> you know, zombie stuff or werewolves or gothic horror stuff, you know, that's kind of my thing. You know? Yes, the gothic Nick Redfern has joined us. You want to pick up on any of the stuff we were talking about at the end of our last segment before we move on? Yeah, sure. I mean, this point about freedom of information requests, you know, if you're going to 
apply for a request for a specific person. A lot of people don't realize that you either have to get their permission if they're living or if they're dead, then you have to provide the relevant agency significant background information. For example, you know, if your next door neighbor said that their grandfather, John Smith, was in the military and worked on an alien autopsy, to access John Smith's files or the project files, you would have to provide proof that John Smith lived, that he was in the military, and that he's now dead to avoid any personal privacy violations. So that can be sometimes difficult, you know, just because you've got a person's name and can prove, you know, or the family will tell you they worked at this particular base. If you think there might be an FBI file on this person, you've got to prove who they are and find a death certificate or proof of death, like an obituary in a 1950s newspaper or whatever. So it can be kind of taxing. You know, that's not basically, that's not anything to do with conspiracies as such. That's just personal privacy protection in the event that the person you're looking for is actually still alive and they don't want you knocking on their front door or whatever, you know. So what do you do? You have to get the affidavit and submit it with this request if it's about a real person? Yes, you have to provide the the death certificate or an obituary and then say, you know, you're looking for files on this person, they were at this particular base in this period, and then, you know, a search can be initiated. But it's not enough just to say, I want your files on 1950s contactees. You know, they'll say, I'll just tell you to go away because it's just not sort of definable in terms of scope. Only the NSA gets that information. (laughs) Nick, you mentioned Marilyn Monroe, and during your talk, you came up with a very intriguing twist to the uh, rumor that kind of surfaced, I I think, back in the 90s, that somehow uh, JFK had confided in Marilyn about some sort of crash craft and and seeing bodies. And Mm -hmm. you kind of took the uh, the Paradigm Symposium audience through through the process of finding... A pretty interesting letter that may have something to do with those rumors that surfaced about her. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, uh, or just now, the FBI has declassified its surveillance file on Marilyn Monroe, which runs to about 80 or 90 pages, and it covers the mid-1950s, actually right through to the 1970s, sort of more than a decade after she died. What's interesting is that several of the early documents, which date from the 50s, prepared by the FBI were forwarded to the CIA and they actually have the director of the CIA on the distribution list. Well, actually, not, it's not a distribution list. It's just specifically for the director. It's just a memo, a series of memos that the FBI sent to the director at the time. Now, the FBI's records on Marilyn Monroe can all be found at its website, The Vault, and you can download them all in PDF format and you know read what J. Edgar Hoover knew about Marilyn Monroe. But if you approach the CIA... Their official stance is that they have no records at all on Marilyn Monroe in any way, shape, or form, even to a minor degree. And uh, but what's baffling is number one, the, the FBI files that we know the FBI shared with the CIA because they're online at the FBI's website showing they forwarded them to the CIA. They can't even find those documents. The very fact that Marilyn Monroe had secret affairs with both JFK and RFK is a strong indication that surely the CIA would have been watching her for that reason alone. And the fact that she was married to Arthur Miller, you know, a shifty lefty. And um, he, you know, he was watched. We know he was watched because he worked with an organization, uh, a book uh, organization called Penn, which was infiltrated um, by the intelligence community. So again, it's inconceivable that there shouldn't be files when there are all these different tangents surrounding Marilyn Monroe. Now, 
The story gets controversial because in 1995, an author named Milo Spiriglio, who had written three books on the sort of conspiracy theory surrounding Marilyn Monroe's death, um, he surfaced with a document that claimed to be a CIA document that talked about how supposedly in, a, in like a successful attempt to lure Marilyn Monroe into bed, that JFK had sort of tried to impress her by telling all these different secrets about plans to invade Cuba, um, relationship with the Russians, and also about a trip he supposedly made to what was described as a secret Air Force base to see things from space. Now, the... This particular document is a highly controversial one because it didn't surface through the Freedom of Information Act. If it's real, for all intents and purposes, it was like a leaked document. Now, the official story on the part of the CIA and everybody, every agency that's been approached is that they don't believe the document to be legitimate. Um, and the UFO community has actually made a lot of misconceptions about the document. They claim that it says that, that JFK told Marilyn Monroe that he'd seen the bodies and the craft from the Roswell event at Area 51. It doesn't say anything about that at all. The document doesn't mention UFOs in the slightest. It doesn't even mention aliens, dead or living, in the slightest, and it doesn't even refer to Area 51. What it actually says is that the president was supposedly taken to a secret base to view bodies and spacecraft, and that's it. Now... My view is that the document's intriguing because if this was just sort of an outrageous hoax on the UFO community, why just talk about crashed spacecraft? Why not talk about crashed alien spacecraft? Why not talk about alien bodies instead of just dead bodies? Now, the reason I mention this is because at the top of the document, it refers to something called moon dust. Moon dust was actually a, a real US, US Air Force project designed to recover crashed Soviet um, spacecraft and, and satellites. And it also talks about how, in the event the story got out, it would embarrass NASA's plans to put men on the moon. Well, as I point out in the book, if the US government had a crashed UFO, how would that embarrass NASA's plans to put men on the moon? That doesn't make sense. But if what Kennedy saw, the, the crashed spacecraft of the bodies, was evidence of some very early Soviet space program, Beyond, that began possibly even before Yuri Gagarin, then that would embarrass the plans to put men on the moon. So in other words, this kind of adds legitimacy to the document because it isn't over-reinforcing the UFO angle, which I think a hoaxer would have been more explicit than would have inserted words like Roswell or alien. But keeping it sort of hazy in terms of what the bodies were and what the craft was is almost like a... If it's a hoax, it's a very subtle one, but for me, it's almost like a pointer to it being genuine, you know. But he also talks about how Marilyn Monroe had been told this story and the CIA got her wiretapped, etc., and she was threatening to go public with it. And the document actually dated like 48 hours before she was found dead. Would you have any guilty knowledge of anything that Kennedy was working on with a security angle? Is this, you know, pillow oh, yeah. talk, whatever? Yeah, I mean, there's a good reason we can say that because she was actually an avid keeper of diaries and, um, she had what became known as her Diary of Secrets, which was the one, more than any other, that was filled with all this uh, information that Kennedy had given to her. And uh, a number of people claimed to have seen this diary, sort of like a, a large red-colored book. Um, it reportedly vanished from the coroner's office um, after she was found dead in August 62 and all you know, her various possessions, whatever, were taken to there. And somehow it vanished 
uh, from the coroner's office. No, I forget how long ago that was. You know, we're talking about 1962. Yeah. And I, for a moment, had forgotten when it really was or how long ago it was because we keep talking about her. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Nick Redfern joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Wouldn't it be nice to have one product that replaces more than 10, saving you space, time, and money? HempUSA.org has a complete full-spectrum vitamin mineral detox formulation called MicroPlant Powder Gold. MicroPlant Powder Gold contains 101 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and iodine, has a 100-year shelf life, and is a perfect addition to any storage shelter. Make MicroPlant Powder Gold your choice. Call 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org today. That's the sound of a 44 Magnum and Trauma Max. A high-tech hybrid Kevlar bulletproof vest from InfidelBodyArmor.com will stop it and most pistol rounds. Trauma Max is a major breakthrough in pistol-rated body armor. And prices start at just $170 per insert. More protection, more stopping power, more mobility. And it weighs less than 5 pounds. Get details at InfidelBodyArmor.com. That's I-N-F-I-D-E-L-BodyArmor.com. In the U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. 
Howdy folks, Pharmacist Ben here, nutritional pharmacist and skincare chemist. If you've heard me on my daily health and wellness program, The Bright Side, you know I'm on a mission to spread the good news about the power of nutritional supplementation to correct your health care challenges and get you feeling vital and healthy once again. I want you to call 877-279-9422 and check out the powerful, affordable line of nutritional products from Longevity, the ones I take and the ones I recommend. That's 877-279-9422 or go to www.gcnminerals.com. Why simply mask your symptoms with toxic pharmaceutical drugs when you can address causes with vitamins and minerals? I suggest the Healthy Start Pack. It gives your body the essential 90 nutrients it needs. Most people notice a difference right away. You can sign up to help me spread the good news of health and wellness without drugs and maybe make a little money too. And while you're there, don't forget to check out my important video message. That's GCNminerals.com or call 877-279-9422. And remember friends, good nutrition is good medicine. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. You know, when we talk about Marilyn Monroe and her death, and we talk about, for example, the Roswell case, and we talk about the Kennedy assassination, and we're talking about events that are 50 and 60 or more years old. Ancient history. It is ancient history, and you wonder, well, can we ever get to the present, or are these mysteries going to always consume us? Now, we only have a few segments left. That's how fast the show has gone. And suddenly I wake up, and we're almost two-thirds into it. So, Nick Redfern, let's move, since we're into Kennedy. Are there missing documents about the Kennedy assassination that are significant? It appears there are, not to mention the documents that are still being hidden. Yeah, I mean, this is... This sort of gets into areas where there's a great deal of misconception. For example, um, in the 1990s, and largely as a result of the publicity given to Oliver Stone's movie, JFK, there was this push to have the government reveal or release all the relevant um, documentation on the Kennedy affair. And actually, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pages were declassified that, that previously had been classified. And um, they certainly, you know, massively added to the wealth of material. But obviously, there was no sort of smoking gun or anything like that. But what a lot of people don't realize, and and the skeptics, of course, point out that, well, there couldn't have been a conspiracy because all these files are now surfacing, you know. So if there was a conspiracy, why release the files? But what a lot of people don't realize is that decades before, literally decades before, um, the Oliver Stone movie was even made, a significant number of files on the Kennedy assassination were shredded and destroyed. And we can prove that. One of them, and this sort of is sort of really intriguing, is Lee Harvey Oswald's Army Intelligence file. That was destroyed in 1973. And we have the official record to that effect. Um, now, what that file would have told us, um, you know, we just don't know. But um, the, the Department of Defense has gone on record as stating that um, the file was noted for shredding on March the 1st, 1973, but it hasn't been possible to determine who placed the order for destruction, who actually carried out the order for destruction, or where even the d- destruction occurred, other than the fact that it did occur. So, and this is just one example. I mean, I point out 
numerous others where, you know, documents that could possibly have given us some insights, meaningful insight even, into the assassination, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter today what surfaces if the really good and relevant material was destroyed 20, 30, 40 years ago. That's the problem we face when it comes to the past and the Kennedy assassination. Now, today, the, the situation is pretty much the same. I'll explain to you what I mean by that. The CIA currently is withholding in excess of 1,000 documents on the JFK assassination, and we don't know how extensive in terms of page count each of those documents is. But it's recommend, uh, it's sort of estimated that um, currently there are around about 5 million pages outside of the of the public arena on the Kennedy assassination, excuse me, around fifty thousand pages of, of five million pages in total uh, that have been declassified. But fifty thousand alone, you know, is a tremendous amount. And because so many of those are still highly classified, again, we don't know what they contain. And so it's pretty much um, a misconception that all the files have been declassified. You know, 50,000 or so remain classified, and we have no real idea at all how many might have been destroyed, like Oswald's file, back in the 70s or the 60s or the 80s. You know, it's just it's inconceivable to try and even come up with a figure. I mean, it could be it could be a couple of hundred documents. In a worst case scenario, it could have been you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pages. But the important thing is we can prove that things like Oswald's army intelligence file was destroyed. You know, that's not a matter of conspiracy theorizing or whatever. That's a proven fact. Well, that's uh, 50,000 documents. Uh, that's that's a lot of paper. They're probably waiting for all the guilty parties to uh, depart, and then they're going to well, release you know, stuff that'll, you know, maybe implicate certain people that have been long, long since passed away. Well, but, I think it's kind of like with Roswell that if whoever was in the know about the Roswell, excuse me, about the Kennedy assassination, the number of people was probably very, very small. You know, I don't think we're ever going to find a document, because I don't believe it ever existed, that says something like, please send a team of snipers to Daly Plaza to kill the president. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be ridiculous to even imagine that would be put into onto paper, you know. It wouldn't. It would be just sort of oblique conversations where nothing could be confirmed if it was overheard, you know. Um, and that's why I think, you know, that the real proof has never been committed to paper. You know, that's why we only ever get the surrounding stuff, because nobody would be so stupid as to put anything like that in print, you know. Well, we're approaching uh, very rapidly the 50th anniversary of, of uh, the Dealey Plaza event. And uh, it still fascinates people. I mean, you still see, uh, you know, fairly regularly new insights and, and a new book will come out about the Kennedy assassination. It's it's just, I think it's it's almost as as much a paranormal event as something like Roswell, um, the way the mythology has grown around it. Speaking of mythology, uh, we have a question here from one of our newest posters, Obey. And, uh, and you must obey when you listen to him. Yeah. Okay, we must, yeah. Yes. Oh, that is so easy, a pun. A, a cute picture of a doggy in a hoodie uh, as his avatar. He says, I, as I have seen him appear on Ancient Aliens a few times, how much does he personally believe in the ancient astronaut theory? There's a good one for you, Nick. Well, I mean, I believe it to the extent that I think there is significant evidence that there was interaction between sort of ancient people and and more advanced people. Now... The problem is, of course, when you do any TV show, um, 
you don't know how much of what you say is going to appear in the relevant show. But I always point out that while I do believe that there were there was evidence of highly advanced interaction between us and somebody else in the past, I still believe it could go two ways. One could be the ancient alien angle, you know, ancient astronauts. The other one could be the sort of the intriguing idea that possibly in certain parts of the world thousands of years ago, there are isolated pockets and societies that were far more advanced than others. And maybe some of those became perceived as sort of the gods coming down from the skies, but when in fact they were just, a, you know, a far more advanced country or whatever that obliterated itself or got obliterated. You know, we hear a lot of these stories about, like the Mahabharata, this ancient Indian text supposedly talking about ancient warfare in northern India. You know, we have things like this where that can't, people put like a UFO spin on it with these so-called Vimanas, these fast-flying aircraft type things and atomic warfare. Well, maybe that's what it was. But maybe also it was a localized, highly advanced civilization of a terrestrial nature that wiped itself out. So in other words, I believe there is a, a, an ancient astronauts phenomenon but whether it's literally extraterrestrial or whether it can be applied to a terrestrial body that, you know, has been lost to the fog of time, I, th I think it could go both ways or it could be a combination of the two. But I really do believe that that something... Yeah, some, that, something, something interacted with the ancients. Yeah, advanced technology was around, I think, thousands of years ago that belonged to someone. The big question is, is it somebody from out there or was it from somebody down here, you know? Well, uh, here's another one from Obey, and I like this one. This is a good one. You might have a problem answering this one, Nick. I, I'm not sure. It's it's a it's a real tough one. Speaking of conspiracy theories, I have heard rumors of Giorgio Sukulos's hair requires the use of blood magic to maintain its rigidity. Have you ever seen him perform <laughs> these dark rituals, possibly near the craft service table? <laughs> no. That's a good question, but no, I only ever met Giorgio once. That was at uh, the Paralyzed Symposium last year. But uh, now a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you do sort of ancient aliens, it's not like you're all there together, you know. I mean, right. <laughs> the, the budget to consider. I mean, to, I mean, I live just outside Dallas, although not exclusively, but most of my interviews for the show, you know, I've just gone to a local studio. And this applies not just to ancient aliens, but to all shows. Yeah, to all shows. But they just get in like a local hired crew they use, you know, of freelancers. And they'll just, you know, I'll just drive 20 miles or something and we'll do the shoot at a local studio with a local crew. Then they send the footage along to the relevant channel that's hired them. So, and very often, you know, say if people see me on three or four episodes, it's not like I'm running around, you know, doing endless filming. They no, they film. do all those episodes in yeah. one sitting. <laughs> yeah, or one sitting. And so then they they splice it where, you know, five minutes will appear on this episode, five minutes on this one. So it's maybe spread across several months. You know, that's the way they do it with quiz shows. They'll do two or three shows a day. Or they yeah. might even do a full week's taping in a single day. And that has to boggle the mind. Or as you say, even whether it's a documentary or a film or TV series, an actor may come in and do his segments and they'll be parceled out over many episodes. But we never do that. With Nick Redfern, you get him all at once. When he joins us with Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are 
The GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. And I never know whether Chris or Nick, when Nick Redfern is on, will do our little segue. There you go. The book is called For Nobody's Eyes Only. Missing Government Files and Hidden Archives that Document the Truth Behind the Most Enduring Conspiracy Theories. And we've got a bunch of questions from our listeners, by the way, to Nick. Not all about the book, you understand, but all fascinating. Chris, you want to continue with that? Yeah, there's one more from Obey that I think is a good one, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, interested to hear uh, Nick's answer to this. You know, he's, he says, I've heard people talk about the current popularity of the paranormal in media being tied to a long, careful plan to, quote-unquote, desensitize the populace to the idea of aliens and the like. Do you think there is anything to this theory? And if so, who is perpetrating it? No, I actually don't, (laughs) in in simple terms. I don't believe there's some sinister hand pulling the strings of TV or whatever. I think TV channels commission shows from production companies based around what's currently popular at any given moment. That's why you have a, a bunch of totally ridiculous shows about a one, bunch of women arguing with each other over lunch, you know, with too little brains and too much money to spend and too much time on the hands. Women yeah. definitely want to watch that show. I have to talk to some women about this. My wife does not watch that. Well, well, that's good. But I mean, but on the other hand, then you have, you know, endless shows on, you know, sort of junk or whatever. 
uh, or people selling things, that kind of thing. Then you have the paranormal shows, you know, many of which are dominated just by things like night vision and running around in the woods. In other words, TV channels are prompted by what's currently in vogue at any given time. And right now, the paranormal is big news. So I don't believe that there's any need or requirement on any shadowy government part to try and, you know, reinforce this when the TV channels are doing it themselves because it brings in money. You know, at the end of the day, you have to remember that TV companies, channels, networks, production companies, they're in the business of making money. They're not really in the business of revealing to the world the truth about UFOs. You know, next week they could be revealing the truth about the Second World War or the truth about, you know, the the next or the first manned mission to Mars, that kind of thing. You know, whatever it is a job for them. And right now the job that is popular is making shows on UFOs, Bigfoot, ghosts, whatever. We have a, a bunch of questions uh here. I'm gonna start uh, going through them. Here's one from Technomage T, who's one of our newest signups at forum.theparacast.com. He has a whole list of questions here for you. My name's in several of them for some reason. Chris, we better stop having your name in questions. Please read the question. (laughs) Okay, this is a pretty easy one, I think, uh, or maybe a difficult one. Who is your favorite UFO researcher, historian, or activist, and why? Um, I would probably say John Keel. And the reason why is because Keel was someone who thought completely outside the box. You know, in the 50s and 60s, or excuse me, 60s and 70s, when arguably Keel's work was at its height, um, you know, this was still when the whole nuts and bolts angle of ufology was very much in vogue. But Keel wasn't afraid to think totally outside the box. And, you know, he sort of drew parallels between um, the UFO issue today and paranormal activity hundreds of years ago and, folklore and mythology and this kind of thing and you know he sort of recognized parallels with the occult as well and things like this and um and when i was a kid growing up and started getting into the subject that kind of thing appealed to me because he was someone who was who was looking at and looking at issues and answering hard questions and asking hard questions about things that so many other people in the field would we wouldn't touch now going to conferences you know and Knowing people in the UFO field, you know, I, I know more than a few people who just kiss ass because they want to stay on the lecture circuit. They want to keep involved with the right person and say the right thing. So, you know, and I, I've never done that. I don't deliberately go out of my way to write about alternative topics. But, you know, I find that when I look into things, there are alternatives and it isn't just nuts and bolts craft. But, you know, I, I don't care about kissing ass you know i tell it as i see it and people don't like it well that's tough luck and kale did that you know he was someone who just basically said well this is what i found and the ufo community is up in arms because he's not talking about alien scientists coming to earth or whatever so that, that's what i like about kale you know he sort of stuck a fork in the wheel or whatever we need to stick more forks and wheels because that helps us get answers. Right now, the biggest argument I always have with the UFO field is that they're just sticking to the past, the theories of the past. They don't think behind the box, and we go nowhere. Well, that's because it's become, for many people, it's just a source of entertainment. Um, and I understand that. There's nothing wrong with being entertained by it, but it should also be 
a case of investigation, but so much of it today is just about upholding the UFO scene. You know, it's like conference organizers want to get people on seats. Um, magazine editors want to try and stay afloat, you know, in the world of the internet. You know, things like these TV companies want to grab it while they can. And so, in other words, it becomes almost like a comfort zone, you know, particularly for people who've been in the UFO field for a long time. It's like a comfort factor. We're all, you know, a bunch together or whatever. And, well, no, you know, the you need to do investigations. It's no good just plain saving, oh, yes, we've got nice monthly meetings at this place and we sit down and talk about UFO sightings and Georgia Damsky or whatever. Well, that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? People... Oh, yeah. It shouldn't be used as a comfort factor. It should be an investigative thing to find right. answers. You know? Or or a new a new system of religious belief. Yeah, it is. It becomes like um it becomes almost like a religion where people believe this, they believe that, and they don't want their beliefs changing because the the current beliefs make them feel comfortable. Well, you know, you can't go through life being comfortable and just poking your head out the front door now and again. You know, you've got to you've got to ask awkward questions because there are awkward questions that need asking. Yeah. Well, here's another question you've answered is uh, a second question about who really influenced your thinking. And, and, and I, I share that, uh, that answer with you, uh, John Keel. And I do, I mean, one of the most important UFO books, I think everyone interested in this subject should read is operation Trojan horse. Uh, oh, yeah. Classic, uh, classic book that really influenced my thinking. Um, here's another one. Do you agree with Chris's gut feeling that a large number of paranormal events are related to each other and that a tricksterish force is behind them? <laughs> yeah, I actually do. And I'm not just saying that because Chris happens to be on the other end of the phone. Um, I mean, I'm sure Chris can appreciate and relate to this as well. I mean, a lot of the stuff I do, you know, when it comes to UFOs or Bigfoot or lake monsters or paranormal stuff... One of the things I often get when I'm on an investigation is like a lot of weird synchronicities, um, like a meaningful coincidence for people who aren't aware what a synchronicity is. Um, and when this happens time and time again, it almost is as if somebody's playing with you, toying with you, as if you're in some sort of weird matrix-like real world sort of thing. Um, and, and I get this a lot, and it happens to the point where it clearly isn't coincidence and um when it's across the board like in ufos in cryptozoology and elsewhere that's one of the things that lead me to believe many of these things are interconnected because it's otherwise and um you know i mean for example with my book the real men in black i mean i talk in there about how people had had um yeah men in black visitations after seeing ufos but they'd also had mib experiences after dabbling with ouija boards or after they'd seen mothman now on the face of it there shouldn't be any connection between ufos mothman and ouija boards pop up in all those cases so again you know to sort of answer the question this is another example of how all these different phenomena seem to cross over so it's things like this you know the the crossover between the phenomena, the synchronicities, just the weird stuff that happens when you investigate these things. But I don't pretend to have the answers to why or how it happens, but clearly there is some sort of weird trickster manipulation going on. Weird trickster sort of things are going to happen in a moment if we don't do this break. You like that, Chris? It's the yeah, first I, one. I did. Uh, good answer, Nick. I couldn't agree more. Okay, <laughs> Nick Redfern is joining us. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in the podcast. 
Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. 
Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We are doing this show just a few days before Halloween. So the other side of Nick Redfern has appeared. We haven't figured out what side that is yet, but there's another side. It was Bella Lugosi on mushrooms. Well, but where's the Hungarian accent? Well, I have, I have got a Bella Lugosi t-shirt. Chris actually saw it. Yeah, yeah, I love it, too. <laughs> you have a Bella Lugosi t-shirt. I got something better to tell you, though. Years ago, when I met up with Forrest J. Ackerman, who's the famous science fiction fan and horror writer, and he had this amazing museum of memorabilia that was, I guess, dealt with after he died. But here's the issue here. He had Bella Lugosi's ring on his hand. And he always wore it. Oh, what? Isn't that interesting? Oh, that's that's cool. the Dracula ring that he wore in the movie. Hmm. Spooky. Yeah, that's worth a bit, I bet. Spooky indeed. More questions, Chris? Yeah. Nick, have you ever discovered government documents that contradict other government documents, thus making it likely that at least one set of documents is disinformation? That's a good question. Yeah, that is. Um, I have come across a couple of things like that. I'm not sure if it's disinformation. I. I tend to take more the approach that it's agency A doesn't necessarily know what agency B is doing or doesn't have the clearance to know what agency C is up to. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen this probably more in the British government files at the, at the British National Archives just outside London, where, for example, there are reports, uh, UFO documents from the publicly acknowledged UFO office of the Ministry of Defence, the one Nick Pope worked in, which talk about where UFO researchers have written letters and said things like, you know, do you work with other countries on the UFO problem? And, you know, they say, well, no, we just, we've got this little office here and we just look at reports and try and figure out if people saw a satellite or a weather balloon or whatever. And those are the, I said, that they, they're all coming out of the office in which Nick Pope worked in the 1990s. However, through the Freedom of Information Act, from some of the defense intelligence offices, we're actually seeing documents where, for example, um, the defense intelligence people were actively approaching overseas nations. I mean, I'll give you a classic example. Through the Freedom of Information Act, we now have documents showing that in 1967, the British government actually, at the height of the Cold War, approached the Soviets with a secret view to setting up like a joint UFO study program, which sounds incredible. But, wow. you know, Nick Pope's office never did anything like that. And they actually said, we do not liaise with overseas nations. Now, I don't believe that office was lying. I think they actually knew nothing about what the defense intelligence people who operated a far greater level of secrecy. I don't think they just simply had any idea what that other department was up to. Do you think the agency that Nick Pope worked with was just a PR agency having nothing to do with any real investigation? Well, I won't say it was PR, but it was just a very low-level thing. I mean, by Nick's own admission, he never left the office to investigate a case. You know, he never went out into the field or anything like that. It was all done from reports that were channeled through to the office. Uh, I mean, even Blue Book went out into the field to investigate things. You know, the Ministry right. of Defence study didn't. Um, but we do get reports of people who've seen UFOs who claim to have been visited by MOD personnel. So this leads me to believe that 
you know, Nick's office was a legitimate one, but it was just a low-key one. It wasn't, quote, the UFO office, if you like. Here's here's a question from Burnt State, who's one of our active participants at forum.theparacast.com. And he goes, uh, Nick, you've written so many books on so many topics. Do you ever feel that you have contradicted yourself in your writings where the ideas from one book may stand in direct opposition to another? If so, please describe. <laughs> uh, that's actually a good question. I won't say I've done, ever done anything that deliberately contradicts things. But what I would say, you know, given the fact that I've been sort of writing in the UFO field for like 20-something years and I've been writing books for 17 years, what happens sometimes is that, you know, you'll write something maybe 97 and then new documents might surface in 2005 which shed new light on something that you wrote about previously and changes, you know, your original position. I mean, that, that, but that's normal. You know, I've never deliberately written something that's totally contradicting, you know, something else. But, you know, there's... It's just it's just how life is. That sometimes things are going to surface in the future that change the way you look at something you wrote in the past. You know that's that's inevitable. Okay. Well, here we have a, a, a question, uh, several questions from a new poster named Smike, who just joined uh, the forum here at forum.theparacast.com on Monday, and uh, he says we regularly hear of people who claim to have been abducted and given information by the aliens that took them. However, these prophecies are usually revealed after the fact or on the rare occasion somebody makes a prediction in advance. It's so vague that it can't be applied it can be applied to almost anything. So to your knowledge, has there ever been an abductee who has made a correct, precise prediction based on information apparently passed on to them by advanced beings? Um not to the best of my knowledge, but again this comes back to the whole trickster angle where you can look throughout history where people have sort of been approached or manifested before them like higher entities or supernatural beings and they've made these prophecies and claims you know the world's going to end on this date or you need to where they claimed you know to have met aliens and we're going to be on a time scale to disarm our nuclear weapons or else this kind of thing even things you know like the 2012 mayan prophecies you know everybody was running around well a lot of people running around thinking the world was going to end you know nostradamus for example the most famous example exploding like it did you know you don't find anything from these prophecies in the 50s and 60s that we're all going to be reliant on instant communication etc that really came out of the blue so to be honest i don't have much faith in prophecies or anything like that now what i would say is i think everybody might or a lot of people at some point have had like a like a prophetic feeling where you know something happens and then or they think something or they dream it and then it happens so i'm not saying there isn't anything to this but what i'm saying is sort of specific dates specific places specific times i'm not aware of anything that's really convincing it but that doesn't mean things can't happen but it's more of like a like a grayer angle of trying to interpret okay yeah that's uh, once you start using the the p word and the b word i like to say the prophecy and and belief uh you're getting into uh some pretty tenuous ground, and I, I try to stay away from both those words as much as possible. <laughs> this is an interesting question, and uh, I'm I'm curious to know what uh, what you have to think about this one. Are there any cases that have been debunked by UFO researchers that you believe have merit to them? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably quite a few. I mean, for example, 
Well, like, yeah, I mean, like, for example, if you take the Belgian Flying Triangle cases of the late 1980s, I mean, a lot of people said, oh, it was just military craft, but, you know, I don't believe that was the case at all. You know, um, there's a lot of people have sort of, or not a lot, but some people have debunked the Socorro 1964 landing. Um, I'm still not convinced that wasn't a real legitimate event, you know, even though it's been suggested it was like some sort of hoax by a bunch of college kids. Um, uh, well, that yeah, comes from saying. just one person, of course, Tony Bergaglia, who revealed yeah, that particular story. Yeah, and of course, it's very highly disputed. We have a lot more to cover, a lot more questions that we got to get into for our remaining two segments. We have Nick Redfern, author of For Nobody's Eyes Only, Missing Government Files and Hidden Archives that Document the Truth Behind the Most Enduring Conspiracy Theories. And we also have lots of questions from our listeners. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. An e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. 
Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by Lasig a long time ago. Lasig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, Lasig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriate at Lasig.com. Or call 870-525-1440. 870-525-1440. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. <coughs> but don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. Herbalhealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit Herbalhealer.com and click the specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products herbalhealer.com healing the world with nature one person at a time since 1988 this is hilly rose and i hope that you do listen to the paracast because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, Nick Redfern joining us. Nick, did you have anything further to say about that particular question you were answering before Chris goes on? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, for example, one classic example being the, the contactees. You know, that entire movement is pretty much dismissed by a lot of people in the UFO field because they just look at it from the black and white perspective of long-haired aliens coming from Venus, etc., and they write it all off. I don't, but, you know, it's like any aspect of the UFO phenomenon. Yeah, there are fakers and hoaxers and disinformation people, whatever, but I still believe that there's a legitimate contactee phenomenon. Now, whether it's with something extraterrestrial or that manifests in a visionary form and it appears like the Space Brothers, I don't know. I think I'm more inclined to go down that path that it's more like a visionary experience that, from some other intelligence. But I actually think many of the contactees had definitively real experiences, you know, whether they occurred in an altered state or not is a different matter, but I don't believe they were all just a bunch of hoaxers and, you know, shysters or whatever. So so you, you feel that a lot of these, uh, or some at least some of these uh, events uh, were firmly believed by the people that experienced them. I, I think a good example of that would be Truman Bathroom, I think was oh, yeah. uh, really compelling. And uh, there's some evidence to suggest that something really high strange did happen to him. Oh, yeah, I think, I mean, I've written quite extensively about his case. And for me, Truman Bethlehem, it's his story sounds bizarre, but I think it was more of like a visionary experience with something, uh, like an otherworldly intelligence that manifested almost like in a Matrix-style hologram form where, you know, he was presented with this imagery and it was like a visionary process. But it was real in, in one sense, but it was external as well. It wasn't all just due to, you know, to his mind. H.T. Have you done any research on time slips? And if so, is there any evidence for them or is it this just a myth? 
personally, I, I haven't, but um, there's a couple of good books that cover that um, area. One is a book called This This Book is from the Future, written by a good friend of mine, Marie Jones and uh, Larry Flaxman. And there's also one that was written by Jenny Randalls about 10 or 12 years ago, I think, called Time Storms. And both those books are worth reading because they cover this angle of sort of time slips and, you know, um, apparent brief journeys, you know, back and to, into the past and into the future. Even. I'm kind of wondering as we go on here whether we should get Jenny Randalls on the show soon. We did get a letter from her several years ago where there was some kind of dispute over something. And that was resolved. I I haven't heard anything from her for years, and I'm not even aware if she's written any books. I I, I don't know what she's doing. I mean, any books in in the last 10 years or so. I don't know of anything she's Yeah, yeah. You you don't hear Jenny's name very much anymore. Occasionally she turns up on updates, but uh, yeah, she, I don't, I have no idea what she's been up to. Of course, she has been in the field. She might have just burned out. (laughs) I know the feeling. I've almost been there myself. (laughs) It's easy to do. (laughs) Uh, Here's a question from Han. Uh, who is Harry A. Newton, who is uh, one of our posters at forum.theparacast.com, where you can go sign up and uh, get your questions uh, asked by Gene and myself of our guests on the question thread. On your last appearance, uh, Nick, he heard you mention Canuck Chase as being a paranormal hotspot. Off the top of your head, and I'm not sure if you will see this thread before the show is recorded, which I don't think you have, do you know of any cases from RAF Stafford or Swinnerton, Yarnfield or Stone? Um, yeah, I actually do. I mean, this is all those places he's just listed. We're within about sort of 20, 25 minutes drive from where I grew up. Um, Canuck Chase was like a 12 minute drive at most from where I grew up. Um, that entire area, Stone, Yarnfield, um, RAF, Stafford, have been, I've, I've got a lot of reports for that area of UFO sightings, of you know, things in the sky. The Canuck Chase itself, um, the actual, this large forested area, that has been the site of everything from um, UFO landings to contactee cases to abductions to missing time events vehicle interference cases, but also, bizarrely, a lot of weird creatures like large black cats, um, even sort of Bigfoot-type creatures, as well as bizarre and as, as crazy as it sounds, uh, and black, uh, sort of large black dogs with glowing red eyes, you know, sort of the phantom black dog-type tails. So, in other words, the entire area is a hot spot for strangeness, and, um, and it kind of goes back to this stuff with Keel, where... Why would you see phantom black dogs and ghostly creatures and big cats in the same place as people see UFOs if it's just nuts and bolts aliens from another world? And the Canet Chase is a classic example for me as to why Keel was on the right track because it just sort of demonstrates exactly what he was saying. Okay, here's another one. I'm not sure if you're going to want to touch this uh, particular uh, possible subject, but in your opinion... Is there a possible connection between the Gulf of Tonkin incident, Operation Northwoods, and the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Centers? Uh, Well, no, I I mean, I don't mind tackling uh, difficult subjects. I mean, you know, the thing is that I don't really get involved in sort of more political conspiracies, mainly because, you know, it's not my area of expertise. I'm not overly familiar with it. Um, You know, when it comes to things like the Wood and all this sort of stuff, I think if you're going to make an extreme claim about it all being done by insiders, then you've got to come up with some 
extreme evidence, you know, but that's the thing. Um, I mean, I've heard all sorts of stories about, you know, the passengers weren't really on the planes and all sorts of bizarre stuff and, you know, this stuff about a plane not hitting the pension really. Well, it's all very well to make those sort of claims, but then you've got to say, where are the passengers? Where is the real plane? But I actually don't think the government um, was involved in 9-11. You know, I, I, think, I think it was down to a bunch of crazy guys. And that people might be amazed and stunned by that, but you know, nine eleven for me was was not an inside job. And people might say I don't know enough to comment on it, <laughs> which could be true. But you know, we know the guys; those guys were on those planes, and they, you know, they weren't friendly guys. And we know that the the passengers, who some people say, well, they weren't on the plane; they've never surfaced again. So clearly, they were on the planes. You know. Well, the other thing here is you can also argue that there were over 50 warning signs that the government should have acknowledged and failed to follow up on. And we can go well, into I'm the wise and wherefores. I'm, I'm not saying things weren't followed up on or that, you know, uh, because a lot of data has been put forward to suggest it clearly wasn't followed up on or was ignored or was overlooked, however you want to term it. Sure, and then they can, say in retros- they can say in retrospect, well, we didn't connect the dots. But you know what? We pay them the big bucks to connect the dots, so I don't no, know if we can I, accept that. I don't that. disagree with that, but the idea that, you know, the planes were like radio-controlled into the towers or something, and there, there were debt, you know, and that somebody had planted 50 tons of dynamite in the bottom of the towers, you know, people are going to make claims like that. They've got to come up with something, you know. That gets to the wacky category. That gets to be a little too no, wacky for me. No, I don't think it's wacky because a lot of people legitimately believe all this and think there are explicit good reasons why. But my view is that if you're going to make extreme claims, you've got to come up with something to back it up, not just, oh, well, those towers seem to fall like in a detonation. Well, saying they seem to fall like in a detonation isn't good enough, you know. And these are people who may not even have the engineering expertise. When I say wacky, it's because of the nature of the theories. We can come up with all sorts of theories. Theories are a dime a dozen. But when you say that, especially something like this, a high-profile episode of whatever, where there are tons of documentation and probably an official story, before you say the official story is wrong and maybe it's okay just to talk about it, you really have to produce some extraordinary evidence to support that claim, it's not so easy. And this goes no, to anything, this goes to anything, even the Kennedy assassination. As much as it seems to be a conspiracy, we don't know who did it. We can say it was JFK's, you know, rivals, maybe organized crime because he went with the wrong woman. It was LBJ, it was the Cubans, it was the CIA, it was the Russians. We can say lots of things, but we could say that we have one more segment to spend with Nick Redfern. The book is For Nobody's Eyes Only. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to dreamhost.com radio, dreamhost.com radio. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Are you prepared for disasters, job loss, and uncertain times? Make Emergency Essentials your first stop for premier food storage and emergency preparedness supplies. Compare our food storage ounce to ounce and it's easy to see. Emergency Essentials has the best quality and lowest priced emergency food storage guaranteed. Call Emergency Essentials at 800-999-1863 today or visit BePrepared.com. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care. Chiropractic done right. 
Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we're on the final segment, which means that we have to rush through the questions and rush through the answers. Chris, let's move on. Okay, uh, this one might be uh, a little bit uh, redundant, but I, I, I'd be interested to hear your answer. Uh, what are your favorite three UFO events, using whatever definition of favorite you would like? Um, well, that's a good question. I guess it does depend how you define <laughs> favorite. I mean, I would have to put Roswell. I know it sounds predictable. I would have to put Roswell in there, mainly because of its potential importance in possibly one day blowing the whole thing wide open. I think Roswell would have to be there for that reason. That's not necessarily a favorite reason, but it's it's an essential case, you know, to possibly proving that we have been visited and that there's a physical nature to the phenomenon from somewhere else. Um, I would also, um, I think one of my favorite ones, which is also a, a wacky one, was the stuff, I get the guy's name now, who claimed to have met aliens that made him pancakes. <laughs> it's from like the early 1960s. Right, I Simonton, I think, was the case. Yeah, that's it? right, Joe Simonton, yeah, this this farmer who said the aliens landed and made him pancakes. <laughs> they gave him these, and he, had, and he said it tasted yeah. like cardboard. I, if I had to answer that question, one of my favorite uh, UFO flaps that had other things attached to it was the Ellsbury flap of 78, uh, Ellsbury, Missouri, when Bigfoot showed up, uh, was searching through a garbage dump, and little guys in silver suits were seen, and, and formations of what appeared to be 55-gallon drums were seen flying around, and, and these weird orange lights would come down in fields, and cows would be discovered mutilated. By the end of this two-week or three-week period, hundreds of people were lining the roads uh, in lawn chairs waiting for the UFOs and for the uh, alien uh, <laughs> mutilators to come down. And they were selling shirts and balloons and Oh my goodness! It's just so I fun. Think at the sometimes. end of the day, I'd be I'd actually be hard pressed to make a list less than sort of twenty of you know overall favorite ones. But uh, I think yeah. the better the case, you know, that I, I wouldn't say the favorite, but they're important and essential ones. You know. Yeah, I also like the uh, the Kashmiri cases that uh, crop up from time to time on the on the DMZ between the Pakistanis and Indians up there in the high. Uh, mountains of the Himalayas. Uh, some of those cases are pretty fascinating when you dig into them and you start uh, you start looking at them. Of course, uh, the O'Hare Airport case. I think I think there's a ton of information that still could possibly be obtained uh, by really digging deeply into that case. And of course, Stevensville too, uh, in terms of recent cases. Um, or even possibly uh, the Villa Spouse one, which is a good one. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, she grunted like an animal. I, I love that one. It's like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, Don't tell us anything personal, Chris. <laughs> that was Phyllis Boas. That wasn't me. Yeah. Well, no, do you like women who grunt like animals? That's what he's good. basically saying. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was a, she was a bit of a of an animal, but uh, you know. Well, he didn't have much choice. I mean, he struggled and struggled, but uh, he was raped. <laughs> I don't think he complained about it. Uh, well, actually, he did. He was quite quite. Uh, Dismayed and, and uh, upset, according to uh, uh, I forget who was it, uh, Olaves or, or whoever uh, was the investigator oh, yeah, there. Okay. Said that he was upset about it, but uh, he must not have been too upset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, here's here's a here's a tough one. It's kind of an open ended question, but 
you know, let's give our listeners maybe who haven't really uh, heard you before on the radio. Some of our first time listeners perhaps uh, would like to get a little better idea of who Nick Redfern is. And Burnt State uh, asks a pretty interesting question. Would you describe yourself as a paranormal 14 author with a specific agenda looking to solve the phenomena through a set of personally developed evolving theories? Or are you a secretary researcher in the field providing speculation on the possible narratives that unfold from related FOIA requests where whatever strong idea floats is what gets written about? So basically, he's asking you, how would you describe your career? I, I would say probably both of the above. Yeah, I actually would say a combination of the two. I mean, for people who aren't aware, I left school, you know, when I left school at six, I walked out of school, actually, <laughs> which is a long story. I didn't go back. Uh, I was useless at school. You know, I had no qualifications, didn't go to college, no university, didn't know what I wanted to do, and got offered a job out the blue on a, on a magazine, um, a music magazine called Zero at the time. And uh, it shut down years ago. And um, that sort of tutored me, if you like, in, in journalism, but I had an interest already existed in the paranormal. So in other words, from there, I sort of thought, well, why not? When I finally got into writing books, I mean, my first book didn't come out till like 33, um, between like 19 and 32. Um, I worked, uh, I had two jobs. One was a, a van driver for a, a paint and wallpaper company. And for the other five years, I was a forklift driver in a warehouse. Uh, so my first book didn't come out till I was like 33. Uh, but I, going back to when I worked on that magazine, I thought, well, why not try and apply sort of journalistic techniques to investigating the paranormal? So I have a deep passion for it. And I do the research and investigations primarily because I want the answers. But equally, I try and use that journalistic approach to looking for the answers and then present the data to the audience in that fashion as well. And I think so. Yeah, it is kind of a combination of a personal quest, but sort of journalistic research approach as well. We have time maybe for one more question, Chris. You know, let me ask you a question here with all this. What is it about conspiracy theories, Nick Redfern, that eternally attracts people? Is it the belief that we can get the secret on what the government's really doing to us? It's all about paranoia, especially since most of these conspiracies involve things the government did or did not do. Is it part of our distrust of government or is it just a good story? I mean, it's a sure thing that books about various conspiracy theories, particularly the Kennedy assassination, do sometimes manage to become bestsellers. So there is that incentive. Well, I think when it comes to things like Rendlesham and Roswell, the fascination for the conspiracy is born out of the potential prize if we crack the conspiracy. You know, I mean, there might be a conspiracy in the British government about you know, how they're buying cheap tea bags, you know, and selling them at a higher price, you know, but that's not a, it's a conspiracy, but nobody cares because it's a boring one. So I think things like Rendlesham and Roswell are, have become so huge in terms of conspiracy theorizing because of the potential gain if we, if we break the conspiracy wide open. So in other words, I don't think it's just, we're fascinated by conspiracies per se. It's what the the end result might be if we prize it wide open, you know. But these conspiracies that last forever, like Roswell, the Kennedy assassination, whatever, mm. no hope to ever figure it out, get to the end of it? Well, no, 
I mean, I, I wouldn't say there isn't any hope because, you know, I mentioned earlier about how mistakes can be made and, you know, a document might surface that got misfiled and that blows the entire thing wide open. But if I'm honest, then I have to say that given the fact that Roswell has remained a secret or an enigma for 66 years now, there's no reason it couldn't remain an enigma for another 66 years. And arguably, it'd be even easier because, you know, 10 years from now, everybody involved will be dead who was back involved back in the 40s. You know, there's probably hardly anybody left now. You know, it's like Jack the Ripper. We'll never solve that one. Roswell and Rendlesham could become, unfortunately, modern day for us, Jack the Ripper's. Uh, but I don't think that means we should be, give up or be pessimistic because that's just taking the loser way out. We should keep digging and hope we get there, but always be mindful of the fact that we may not, unfortunately. When you write books of this sort, and this is a request for a quick answer because of the time factor, you never get callbacks from the government saying, what are you doing? No, I don't, because mainly if people read my books, what I do is to use the Freedom of Information Act. You know, I'm not some... Like Gary, Mc Gary McKinnon, a classic example, hacking into computers. Well, that's a ridiculous thing to do. Of course, you're going to get punished and potentially even jailed, as he almost was. Edward Snowden, you know, he's, he's had to flee the country and, you know, in, in Russia or whatever. But for me, what I do, I use the Freedom of Information Act. Nick Redfern, where can we find more of your stuff? Nick Redfern, 14blogspotcom or just type me into Facebook. There's a few Nick Redferns, but uh, it won't take a minute to find me, so... Right. When you see the right person, you will know. You will feel it in your gut, right? Chris O'Brien right. has OurStrangePlanet.com. That's OurStrangePlanet.com because it is a strange planet. And the book Stalking the Herd, do momentarily. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as The Paracast. We're The Paracast on Twitter. Check out our forum at forum.theparacast.com. Nick Redfern, thank you for joining us on The Paracast. Thanks, guys. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>